Well, hey, howdy, hey, sports fans. Welcome to another edition of Josh Rizowskis Sports Talk. I, of course, am Josh Rizowskis, and I'm sorry that there was a little bit of a delay between episode one of the show and here we are with episode two. I was under the weather, and there's nothing you can do about recording a podcast when you're under the weather. So, it is Friday night, March the 6th, 2020, as we're sitting down to record this week's episode, which means we should lead off once again with the XFL, because we've got XFL games coming up this Saturday and Sunday. So I'm going to give you my power rankings for the league following my game predictions for the week. So first up, I just want to correct a couple of things before we get into that from the last show. Just some small little errors that happen sometimes when you sit down to record and then when you listen back because you're in a hurry to get an episode out and you realize, oh, I kind of misspoke on that. And that's just two little things that I was slightly wrong about on the first episode when it comes to the rules of the league. The first is if you punt and the punt goes into the back of the end zone, it comes out to the 35-yard line, not the 45-yard line. And the second small little mistake that I made is that when you get inside two minutes, it's not the college rule where the clock stops after every first down. No, they take it one step further in the XFL, and it's you have the clock stop after every play inside two minutes. Every play. So you get to use the whole field, and you don't have to worry about using the sideline. And it totally changes the dynamic of the game because there is no such thing as being out of time. Because even if you're down by nine points, you can get a six-point touchdown and then get a three-point conversion in the XFL. So it's just adds a whole other dynamic that you're not going to see in NFL or college football. So I love it, and I think it's great. So with that out of the way, like I say, here are my predictions for week four, or excuse me, week five of the XFL, and then I'm going to break down my power rankings after four weeks of action, and kind of where I see each team in regards to where they're at in the position of the league. So first game this week on March the 7th, that's tomorrow, being Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern on ABC, we have the Seattle Dragons versus the Houston Roughnecks. Now, if you've watched the league at all this year, this shouldn't be the easiest game of the week to be able to predict from me. There's no way that the Seattle Dragons, despite showing improvement last week, are going to be able to stop the juggernaut that is the number one XFL team in the league Spoilers for later, the Houston Roughnecks. So I'm picking the Roughnecks to go over in this matchup against the Dragons. Game number two on Fox this week at 5 p.m. Eastern on Saturday is the New York Guardians versus the Dallas Renegades. This to me is the most toss-up game of the week because we've seen a little bit different of a Dallas team than what we have been able to see the last two weeks 
But with Landry Jones out after an injury last week that apparently, despite the fact that it looked like it might be a season-ending injury, will only last a couple of weeks. Given that this is the XFL and we're talking about a 10-week season to start with, a couple of weeks could really be damaging for Dallas. And so if they don't get running game help for Philip Nelson, are they going to be effective? And that's the real question. And that's why I'm picking their opponents, the New York Guardians, to win this game. The Guardians pulled it out last week in their game, and they did so under new guy, under center, Luis Perez. This is the guy that New York fans have been calling for to lead this offense pretty much from the beginning over Matt McGloin. McGloin is practicing, and Kevin Gilbride, for whatever reason, has not yet committed to Luis Perez exactly 100% starting this game. However... I think it would be an absolutely bonehead and asinine move to not have Luis Perez play this game because he clearly has something different to this offense and this offense got behind him and they've got a fairly good defense with the Guardians. So I think if Luis Perez starts, which in my mind he will, I think New York gets the victory in this game. Moving on to game number three, game number one, on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern on FS1 or Fox Sports 1, it is the St. Louis Battlehawks against the D.C. Defenders. Another easy pick from this week, which I would not have said a couple of weeks ago, but when you talk about the XFL this year, you talk about number one is the Houston Roughnecks because they're undefeated. But number two are only number two because they lost to number one. That's how dominant the St. Louis Battlehawks have been. And that's what a game-changing offense and defensive combination they have. This is a very, very complete team and a team that loves to play for their head coach and just a team that is so fun to watch. Meanwhile, on the other side of the football, you have the most Jekyll and Hyde team in the XFL this year. A team that, when the XFL started, looked like the most complete team in the league, but now is an offense in complete disarray. And as such, when your offense can't score points, your defense can't bail you out either. And right now, again, slight spoilers for later, are my bottom-ranked team in this league, the D.C. Defenders. So, again, easy pick. St. Louis Battlehawks will get the victory here. And to me, this is your game of the week, which is probably why it's the first quote-unquote primetime game of this new XFL that we have this season on the mothership, as Dan Patrick likes to call it. ESPN itself at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. It is the Tampa Bay Vipers versus the LA Wildcats. Now, what makes this game so intriguing is that two weeks ago, the Wildcats were just dominant. And in last week's game, they played really well. They just created a lot of turnovers for themselves, 
which shot themselves in the foot, and they were missing some key pieces of their offense, mainly their starting running back, whose name, I apologize, I can't remember off the top of my head. I will have that ready for next week. But they're also missing Nelson Spruce, who was by far the best receiver in the XFL not named Cam Phillips. So when you look at those factors, that really hurt the Wildcats. On the other side of the football, you have the Tampa Bay Vipers, who were winless until last week. But last week, they went out and absolutely embarrassed. I mean, not just barely squeaked by, but flat out stomped all over in every sense of the word their opponents, the D.C. Defenders. So, when you look at those factors, Tampa Bay is a very, very good team. They're much better than the 1-3 and three record that they have. And what makes them good now is that they finally have consistency at the quarterback position. Something I'll get into more when I go into my power rankings. But I think this is definitely going to be the game of the week. Really, it's going to come down to one or two plays. In my opinion, this is going to be a one-possession game. But I just think right now, the slight edge goes to the Tampa Bay Vipers. So I'm going with the Tampa Bay Vipers over the L.A. Wildcats. So with that, as I said, let's break down the power rankings as I see them going into Week 5 of the XFL. At the bottom of the league, you have the D.C. Defenders. I mentioned it a little bit ago. D.C. at the beginning of the year looked like the most complete team that the XFL has. There was no two ways about it. They looked like the most complete team in all the XFL. Offense was clicking. Defense was clicking. Everything really seemed to be working on every level for the D.C. Defenders. Then, all of a sudden, Cardell Jones can't find an open receiver. He got the yips, and they were exposed when they have an athletic defense in front of them on the other side of the football field. They cannot get themselves on the page they need to be on to be successful. So when you look at the offense being a mess and the defense being a mess because the offense isn't supporting them, you have some serious, serious issues So there is no doubt that the D.C. Defenders are the number eight team out of eight in the XFL. At number seven, I have the Seattle Dragons. Now, here's the thing about Seattle. Seattle actually showed major improvement last week because they finally made a change at quarterback and put in the guy that Seattle fans have been wanting at quarterback all year and been calling for him to get a shot. The young kid named B.J. Daniels. And when B.J. Daniels came in, B.J. Daniels did change this offense and he did make this offense better and clicking much more than they have been in the past. But when you look at everything the other teams have done this year, you just can't put them any higher than number seven. 
But this is a team with a very, very good ceiling. If B.J. Daniels can still play well, they have a good defense, solid defense at the very least, and they have some interesting weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So look for Seattle maybe to be on the rise, but right now they're number seven. At number six, you have a team that, as I mentioned, when they have all their pieces healthy, are a very, very interesting ball club and have the potential majorly to be better than where they sit at right now. But just based on where things are at right now, because that's all you can do, it's the LA Wildcats. The LA Wildcats have a great quarterback, an experienced quarterback in Josh Johnson. When Nelson Spruce is healthy, they have the second best receiver in the XFL. They have a solid running game and a solid defense. It just really comes down to can they make more plays than the other team on the other side. And that has been the problem for the LA Wildcats this year so far. So they are your number six squad out of eight. Number five going into week five of the XFL is the New York Guardians, who definitely would not have been ranked this high going in to week number four. But that change to Luis Perez at quarterback completely changed the outlook of this team. I'm telling you what, they look the most complete that they've ever looked. And they look like a team that on the right day, right now, could maybe beat anybody in this league. So I'm bumping the New York Guardians up to the fifth best team in the league. At number four, you have the team that they will face tomorrow on Saturday, the Dallas Renegades. And the reason that the Dallas Renegades are up higher is despite the fact that Philip Nelson is going to have to fill in for Landry Jones for a couple weeks, the Dallas Renegades have won some games. And they have an awesome two-headed running back machine behind their quarterback, which can really supplement their quarterback play. And just based on consistency and consistency alone from the games we've seen previously, you have to put them slightly ahead of the Guardians. So the Dallas Renegades are at number four. At number three, you have the single biggest jump in terms of credibility in the history of this league so far this year, the Tampa Bay Vipers, who despite being one and three, like I said, that one win that they got was just absolute, utter domination. I have never seen an offensive line open up so many holes for a running back that wasn't Madden NFL football on rookie level. I mean, it was just domination. And Cornelius, man, Corndog, he's a tough son of a gun. Once he got a full game underneath him from start to finish, he didn't get pulled out for Quentin Flowers, who's no longer there. He didn't get pulled out for Aaron Murray, who started the year at quarterback before he got hurt. When Cornelius Corndog got a full game Underneath him, he has been good. He hasn't been great, but he's been just enough of a game manager 
and he's made the throws that you need to make. Now, the interesting thing here is the running game really helps the Tampa Bay Vipers offense tremendously. So the question will be, if you put the game on the back of Corndog, can Corndog actually lead you to victory? I don't know if we've seen enough from him to believe that to be the case. But just based on where they're at right now with that unbelievable defense and running backs that have run all over the field, your number three team in the XFL are the Tampa Bay Vipers. And now we get into 1A and 1B because it's really not 1 and 2 when you consider the fact that number 2 does come after number 1 when you count, but number 2 is really, as I said earlier, only number 2 in the league because they lost to number 1 in the league, and I'm talking about the St. Louis Battlehawks. This is one of the most complete teams in the XFL, dominating defense, an offense that just knows how to win a dynamic, dynamic quarterback in Jordan Tamu or Tamu. I'm not sure how you'd say it because the announcers of the XFL aren't sure how you say it either. They've said both the short A and the long A when it comes to the QB's name. But this guy is so amazing because he is a rookie at a professional level. He's never played professional football at any level before now. He is a rookie by all definitions of that word, but he is making throws out there like a 10-year veteran, fitting the ball in the tight windows. The cornerbacks are right there on top, and he's making throws. He's got a dynamic running game to supplement him, a crazy good defense, and really, really, the only thing stopping them from being the number one team, as I've now said about three or four times, is that they lost to the only undefeated team in the XFL, which is why they're 1A or 1, however you want to look at it. But I'm telling you what, when these two teams meet up again, probably for the championship, I think they might meet up again during the season. I'm not quite sure. I mean, we do have a 10-week season, and eventually every team is going to play each other twice, I would think, with only eight teams in the league. But the next time these two teams meet up, the St. Louis Battlehawks and the Houston Roughnecks, that is, it could be a different outcome. That's how razor thin close this is. But as good as Jordan Tayamu has been, the guy leading the Houston Roughnecks has been that much better. P.J. Walker, oh my goodness. You could have made a case, a very small case, but you could have made a case nonetheless that going into week number four, the real MVP of the Houston Roughnecks might have been Cam Phillips because Cam Phillips was just getting open all the time. Well, they ran into a team that finally figured that out last week. So B.J. Walker had to find other weapons in the passing game, and he found other weapons in the passing game, just continued to literally throw guys open, thread the needle over cornerbacks, over linebackers, 
the entire game, had a nice running game when he needed it, which was mostly himself. But when he needed to run the ball, he was able to run the ball. His running back was able to run the ball a little bit. I'm telling you what, P.J. Walker is a one-man freaking show on offense that just cannot be stopped and makes everyone around him look so good. This guy reminds me so much of the Super Bowl champion winning quarterback from this year from the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. It's not even funny. He is a smaller Patrick Mahomes. That because the way he plays and the way he commands this offense, obviously far less experienced, but man, if this guy doesn't get a shot in the NFL, there's something wrong with the NFL. Because B.J. Walker is an absolute game freaking changer. And on the other side, he has a defense that sees how good he is and how dominant the team can look on his back that they raise up and they're like, excuse me, rise up. And they're like, we cannot let our QB, our leader down. We cannot lose this game. And that's the way they play. They dominate almost every single week. And when they don't, their QB does enough leading them to lead them to victory. But they're good. And they have to be good when your quarterback is the MVP, bar none, of the league. So I do consider the Houston Roughnecks a complete team because they're complete out of necessity more than anything else. They do need a little bit more of a running game in terms of traditional backs. They can't expect B.J. Walker to do this every week. Now, he's done it every week through four weeks, and in my opinion, he'll continue to do it, as I mentioned earlier, through five weeks. But can he keep this up for 10 weeks? I just don't know. So they do need more of a running game in Houston, but that to me is not enough to keep them from the top spot. Because their defense does just enough. And like I said, Walker is just out of this world. So those are my XFL power rankings going into week five. Now I want to shift gears and talk about some older news. But news that I personally haven't had a chance to talk about yet. And I've had a couple of my long time followers because I do have a few from my former days at YouTube for those of you that are brand new out there, I used to be on YouTube before I made the switch over here to the podcasting world for ease and convenience and computer system power. But I do have a few loyal viewers from over the years, loyal supporters who wanted to know my opinion on a few older stories. The first of which is the Houston Astros cheating scandal. Look, there's no two ways around this. The Astros have put a black mark on baseball that it's going to be very, very hard for a very, very long time for baseball to be able to recover from. Period. What they did is inexcusable and what they did is wrong on every level. They more or less cheated their way into a world title because 
who knows what the LA Dodgers would have been able to do in 2017 had it not been for the Houston Astros knowing what was coming out of the pitcher's hand. It's just ridiculous. And the fact that the players themselves have not been punished, that is a cop-out by the commissioner because he does not want there to be fallback from the players' union because if there's fallback from the players' union, the sport might go on strike. And what's Rob Manfred going to do then? I'm telling you what he's going to do then. Nothing, because there's nothing he can do. But that is the only reason the players haven't been punished. And obviously, it makes this situation a hundred times worse. This, to me, is worse than the steroids era because even when it was obvious that everybody and their dog, metaphorically speaking, was using steroids in baseball, at least you could have a small sense of plausible deniability because you weren't able to actually physically see guys inject themselves with needles into their arms and legs. This was as blatant as blatant can be, and if the Houston Astros can get away with this, let this Dayton boy, Dayton, Ohio boy, tell you a little something. Charlie Hustle Pete Rose had better dang be on the Hall of Fame ballot and better dang be in the Hall of Fame where he belongs. Not because what he did wasn't wrong, but because he cheated a long time ago and was caught a long time ago and as well served his penance. Where these Houston Astros, they're not serving any penance at all because of political correctness. So you want to know how I feel about that, David Griffin? That's how I feel about that. Man, I could go on about that for days, but let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about some positive baseball. Because as I say, I'm a Dayton, Ohio boy. And therefore, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan born and bred. And for the first time in a long, long time, the Reds look like they are going to compete. They had the pitching last year and this year for the first time in years. And they had an ownership group and Bob and Phil Castellini who gave permission to general manager Dick Williams to go out and spend money on the open market. And they got two of the biggest hitting free agent names on the market this year. And Mike Moustakis and Nick or Nicholas, if you prefer to go by his full name, Castellanos. Despite subsequent defensive struggles in the outfield from Castellanos, these two guys are game changers. The fact that they brought over a guy from Japan, I apologize, I cannot remember his name, but he's a very successful center fielder in Japan, and once I learn his name, we'll probably be talking about him a lot. They brought him over before either one of these free agent signings and then somehow some way they added right-hander Wade Miley or excuse me left-hander Wade Miley to an already stacked pitching rotation yes unfortunately Wade Miley did come from the Houston Astros but it is what it is he's on the field he won't be cheating now 
We're going to find out how good he can be. And is he going to be a great piece to go along with Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, and Anthony DiSclefani? We'll find out. So when you throw all those factors in, I'm telling you what, boys and girls, the Reds look dangerous. Their biggest question is, with Castellanos and the Japanese import coming in, there is a big, big log jam in the Reds outfield. What they're going to do there is a healthy Nixon Zell, if he is healthy at the beginning of the year or whenever he becomes healthy, is he going to move to Anfield? Is he going to get more play at shortstop over Freddie Galvis? It seems like that is the most sense because the outfield is just so jam-packed right now when you've got those two guys that I've already talked about. You've got Winker and you've got Aquino. You just have way too many pieces in the outfield for Senzel to fit there and be a regular there. Regular, sorry. I struggle a bit with that word because of my cerebral palsy. I do apologize. But he can't be a regular piece there in the outfield, Ken Senzel. So it seems like moving to the infield is the only logical way and the only real spot that they have an opening once Suarez is healthy is going to be short. You've got my Boston Bruins over in the NHL just tearing things up on a winning streak for most of the latter part of this year and really arguably the best team in the league on paper. So I'm very happy in that standpoint. And then you've got a guy named Zion Williamson who's come in and taken the NBA by storm. And you've got Steph Curry back in the NBA for maybe the rest of the year. So a lot of great things right now. A lot of fun things happening in the world of sports. But I don't want to keep you all too long, so I'm going to wrap it up here. That'll be today's episode. I will be back with you on Monday, breaking down all the news from the XFL over the weekend, all the big stuff going on on Monday, and anything else that comes from you, my listeners, via request. You can get in touch with me on social media at Josh Rosalskis on Twitter, spelled just like it is in the name of this podcast. You can get in touch with me on Facebook at Josh Rosalskis YT. The reason for the YT is I have a personal profile for family and real life friends only that was already under my name. So I added the YT on the end. And you can get in touch with the show via email at Josh Rosalskis at gmail.com. With that, sports fans, have a great couple of days, and I will see you next time.